0: Well, good morning. I'm excited to be here this morning, and I'm excited to preach this message uh, because it has to do with why we exist, why we exist as a church. And if you were here last week, uh, I referenced this that through the rest of this month. We're going to be looking at why we exist as a church and this week we're going to we're going to begin with kind of a foundational statement of why we exist. I'm going to share with you uh, our uh, kind of our mission statement as such as a church and and then we're going to dive into it and kind of look at what God has given us as a body to complete for him. Uh our our purpose, if you might remember a month or so ago, I preached through John chapter 17. Uh, the Upper Room Discourse in John chapter 17 was the last uh, chapter in that series, and, and in at the beginning of John chapter 17, verse 4, it kind of gives us a little bit of a hint of why Jesus came and his purpose for being. And I, I reference that verse in regard to our mission statement, uh, and it can be found that mission statement can be found in uh, in our bulletin each week. Uh, it's there on the the inside page, and we we put that there kind of as a reminder of why we do uh, what we do. But over the years, we haven't talked about that. We haven't really kept that at the forefront of our conversation of why we do everything, why we have ministries, why we worship, why we partake of the Lord's Supper each week, why we study from God's Word, why do we serve our community. We we do it, but we don't talk about it that often. Well, with a new year, I felt it's important that we begin by focusing on our purpose, the why we do what we do. A few weeks back, we had a pastor's retreat, and, and we went off and, and we discussed our, our mission statement. We had a mission statement and a purpose statement, and it, we exist to glorify God, and then we do that by you know these different things. And, and we talked about those two different statements, but there was some confusion. See, not many of the pastors that are currently on staff were around when that statement was created, those two separate statements. And so we started to talk about what is a mission statement, what is a purpose statement, what is a vision statement, and and frankly there was not much consensus of what those things meant. And so we figured it's time to make it simple. If we as pastors can't communicate clearly the difference between a mission statement, a vision statement, and a purpose statement, maybe there's too much confusion in our purpose itself. And so we started hammering it out. The problem is, is that we liked what we saw. We liked those two statements. And so what we decided was to combine them together into one clear package and simply answer the question, why do we exist? Why does Southside do what it does? Why are we here? Why do we exist? And so this is the statement that we came up with. And it's really very familiar. If you remember the two separate statements, it's really a repackaging, putting them together into one clear statement. We exist to glorify God by making and maturing biblical disciples. That's it. That's why we exist. We exist to glorify God by making and maturing biblical disciples. That's why we do what we do. You know, it's a pretty simple statement, but it's packed with a lot of depth. This statement still comes from the same uh, verses that we got our mission and our purpose from before. But again, we've, we've tried to package it together so everybody can be on the same page and answer that same question. I want everybody that calls Southside their home when they're asked, what's Southside all about? To be able to answer with one clear statement. It's simple. We exist to glorify God. And how do we do that? We do that by making and maturing biblical disciples. In John chapter 17, verse 4, comes this first part of our statement. We exist to glorify God. Where it says, Jesus speaking, I glorified you, God, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Okay? I glorified you, Jesus glorified the Father, on earth, having accomplished the work That you gave me to do. So Jesus himself glorified God. That was one of his purposes for being on the earth. And he did that by his obedience to God, by coming, being born, by living a perfect life, by spreading God's love to the people, by teaching, by bringing salvation through his life and his death and his resurrection. And so we believe that our obedience is to glorify God as well. That we need to do or to model what we do after what Jesus did. The work that we've been given as well includes Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. The work that we've been given by Jesus himself before he left earth uh, in a physical way was this in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so his command is this. He wants us to make disciples. Okay, He wants us to make, to go out to the lost, the people who do not know Jesus. And he wants us to share his love for them and to call them and bring them to Jesus. But he doesn't end there. He doesn't say just go and make disciples. Don't just go and tell people about my love. Don't just... Introduce them to my life, my death, and my resurrection. But it continues in verse 20. He says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so when we see that mission statement of we exist to glorify God by making disciples, it also includes maturing disciples. Okay, so our purpose includes Making, reaching people for Jesus, but then helping them to grow in him. So our package deal here is we glorify God. We exist to glorify God through making disciples and maturing disciples. And we added that little caveat in there, that little uh, definitive statement that these aren't just any disciples. They're not disciples of Brian, not disciples of Jamie, right? These are biblical Christ followers, So today we're going to look at this statement a little bit in depth and next week and the week after, today we're going to look at the glorify God part. Next week we're going to look at making disciples and then the following week maturing disciples. So today we're going to focus on we exist to glorify God. So what does it mean to glorify God? What does that statement mean? To bring Him glory, to glorify Him. Well, what I'm talking about and what we're talking about in our uh, purpose here is that we acknowledge or recognize the glory of God. Okay, So we're acknowledging, we're recognizing that God has glory, that he is glory. You know, glory is really the greatness of God. And it includes a lot of different things. And that's why in our mission statement we don't have to say a lot of other things because glory encompasses so many different aspects of our worship and our service of God. It has to do with the greatness of God, God, the splendor of God, the honor of God, the dignity of God, the authority of God, and the power of God. Glory encompasses a lot of principles so when we glorify him, we are making those attributes of God known to each other and to the world. We're making his glory known, and we're spreading his glory around. And we're worshiping his glory as well. John Piper speaks a lot about glorifying God. Uh, and one of the quotes that he has that I really appreciate is this. He says, don't take the word glorify and treat it like the word beautify. To beautify means that we take something plain and we make it beautiful. We don't take a plain God and make him beautiful. That's not what glorifying God means. We don't glorify God to improve his glory, but by seeing and savoring and showing the glory he already has. Glory is not something God is lacking. Is something that he already is. There's a popular Christmas movie that presents the story of Santa having difficult time delivering his Christmas presents because his uh, Christmas cheer tank is growing empty. And so his job is to go out and spread, or the, the, the characters of the movie, their job is to go out and spread Christmas cheer so that it refills Santa's Christmas cheer tank so that he can accomplish his purpose. Okay, do you get that? So his his tank's running low on Christmas cheer, and the more Christmas cheer he has, the better he can do at his job, right? Well, there are people in the church, and I've heard pastors talk about uh, God in a similar way, that God is more effective in this world the more we glorify him, which basically is saying God doesn't have enough glory. Right, That he is lacking and that we need to give him more for him to be more effective. But God is lacking of nothing. He's deficient in, in nothing. He does not need us to give him glory. In Acts chapter 17, I've read this verse before, verse 25, it says, He, God, is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. God doesn't have need. He is completely sufficient. He's not lacking, and it isn't for his benefit that we glorify him. It's for ours. We glorify God because of who he is, not because of a need that he has. So why do we exist? Let's ask that question. Why do we exist? Well, we said we said we we are here to glorify him, but there's something that needs to be talked about before even that. And that is that we exist because of something. We exist because he is. Think about that for a moment. We exist because he is. I don't know if you remember the story of Moses as he is being called by God to deliver his people. God is asking Moses to get on board with his plans. He doesn't need Moses but he's allowing Moses the opportunity to come and help be a deliverer for the people of Egypt, or Israel as they're stuck in slavery in Egypt. And so he's talking to Moses and he says, Moses, it's time for you to follow me. And in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13, it says, Moses said to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. The I am has sent you. God exists. God is. And because he is, we can exist. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come the Almighty. If God didn't exist, neither would we. Right? We believe that as Christians. We believe that God created everything. And if he wasn't here, neither would we be here. He exists, and he decided to create us, and therefore we exist. Because he is, we are. Okay, and that might be a little philosophical, uh, so don't spend too much time if it's grinding gears inside of you, right? But it's important for us to really establish a base fact here, that because God exists, we exist. Okay? And the opposite is true. If God didn't exist, we wouldn't be here. Right? We exist because he is. And there is so much in that statement when he said, I am. I am. He's saying, I exist. I always have. I do at this moment. And I always will. And so there's a stability and there's a comfort there as we serve a God who always has been, who exists. So the second part of this, why do we exist? Well, we exist too. So we exist because he chose, and we also exist too. Let's backtrack just a minute with Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 through 7. It says, I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters Uh, From the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. I love this verse, saying everyone, call them all to me, call people to me, because I created them, my sons, my daughters, I created them for my glory. God says right there why he created us, and it's for his glory. He made us. We're created for him. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You were created in the image of God. We know this. We say it. But it's vitally important for us to remember as children of God. You are an image bearer of the creator of the universe, and you are created with a purpose. There's a reason, and it's to bring God glory. Everything we do should be for that aim, to glorify God. And our, our, our mission that we've been given to make disciples and mature disciples is, was, was, made, was given to us so that God would be glorified. You're an image bearer of the Creator. Which is why, when you think about it, the fall of man to sin is so devastating. Mankind has surrendered their purpose. They've surrendered their reason for existing to pursue their own selfish desires. (coughs) In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, Paul records these words. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Okay, we use this verse a lot, talking about God being out there; that we don't need to to look for Him. He's there. I mean, He's in everything. He's all around us in our in the creation, in us individually, in the mountains, in the skies, in the heavens, in the in the plants, in the rocks. God is there. people are without excuse. The creator has left his imprint on his creation. But in verse 21 it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God, of the creator God, for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. We were created as image bearers. We were created for the purpose of glorifying God. And mankind has surrendered that purpose and taken up something new or something old. It's been around since Adam and Eve. And it says in verse 24 of that passage, Therefore God gave them over to their wickedness. We were created to glorify God. We were created to bear his image. But we have surrendered our role and we have become image bearers of ourselves. You know, I, I have often made copies of things. You know, you've probably all done this. You've gone to a copier and made a copy so you could give some, somebody a, <coughs> a document of some sort. But have you ever started to make a copy of a copy? And what happens is you make a copy of a copy. The image begins to lessen, deteriorate, right? And as you make more copies of copies, the image gets worse and worse and worse. That's kind of what mankind has done. We have the original that we are created to be like. And we try to be like copies of copies of copies. As a church, we have a choice of whose image that we bear. We have a choice of who we are going to glorify. You know, there are a lot of churches out there that glorify the senior pastor. And they've created kind of a superstar culture. And sometimes some of these men revel in that and they want that. And sometimes they're just humble men too, but the culture has been created. We have a choice who we're going to glorify. Are we going to glorify who's up front? Or are we going to glorify God? Are we going to glorify the worship? Or are we going to glorify the one who's worthy of our worship? Paul knew this, and he encouraged us to keep our focus on glorifying God when he says these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 14. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with him to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. God created us to share his love and to reflect his image to other people so that those people can begin to reflect his image as well. And when that happens, it says it's to the glory of God. So even our evangelism is all about glorifying God. Our growing in Jesus is all about glorifying God. The Apostle Peter as well teaches us that even in our service, in our teaching, in our message, we need to keep our focus on glorifying God first Peter four eleven says if anyone speaks they should they should do so As one who speaks the very words of God If anyone serves they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him Be the glory to him be the glory forevermore amen So let's make this a little practical this morning. In the next two weeks, we're going to look at how we as a church fulfill this job of glorifying God through making and maturing disciples. But each of us individually has a job as well in in glorifying God. Uh, One of those ways is by simply focusing on God first. And that's really what we do when we glorify God. We're focusing on him above and beyond everything else. We're saying, you're the one who's worthy of our sole focus, not myself. Not the people around me even, but you alone. If we're focused on glorifying God, then we're not focused on ourself or our own selfish desires. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, we see Paul kind of telling us our our purpose. And he doesn't say it, he doesn't use the words glory here, but he, he does something very close. And let's read along and I'll point this out. He says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord... Urge you to walk in a wor- in a excuse me, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Okay, what's our calling? To glorify God. Okay? To glorify God. Walk in a manner worthy of that calling. We have been called, called to glorify Him. And verse two gives us some ideas of how we can accomplish that. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over and through and in all. I like that last little part there because it reminds me of that verse we read from Revelation. Who was and is and is to come. The one who is over and through and in all. I want to focus this morning as we end in on verse 2. It says with all humility, with all humility. And remember what I said when when we focus glorifying God is focusing on him above and beyond ourselves or anybody else around us? Well, that's the definition of humility, isn't it? Thinking of somebody else in front of our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. With all humility, bear with one another in love. So I'd like to encourage you this morning to be humble people. And as we practice humility and are humble, we're glorifying God. That's the way it is. That's what the scripture is saying, that when we're humble, we are walking in a manner worthy Of our calling. We're walking in a manner worthy of the calling to glorify God. So we have a few things here this morning for us on how to be humble. Real quickly. The first thing is we can think of others first. I think this one's pretty obvious, right? Being humble is putting others' needs first. And this includes God as well. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Even Jesus himself was humble, right? He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross, from Philippians chapter 2. Jesus came to serve others, to put others' needs before his own. And I think he demonstrated that so clearly by dying on the cross. First Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. See, we have a benefit. Remember when I said at the beginning that we don't uh, glorify God for for his benefit because he already has the glory, who benefits as a result of us glorifying God? Us, right? We benefit from our act of glorifying God. And here in 1 Peter 5, 6, it says the same thing happens in our humility, that we benefit, that there will come a day when we stand before him in heaven where we will receive our reward for glorifying him through being humble. Second one, be thankful. You know, when we're thankful, we're acknowledging that we had need of something, and then we received that need. We received the fulfillment of that need. It's saying that someone else had something we needed, and we benefited from it. In First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Be thankful in everything you do. We're going to read another verse here in just a little bit that talks about Doing something in everything we do. Having a certain attitude in everything we do. Well, here's one right here. Be thankful. Being thankful in everything we do is glorifying God. It really is. Here's the last one. Grow in Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. As we grow in Jesus, we are glorifying him. It says when we do that, we bring him glory. When we bear fruit for Jesus, who are we glorifying? Not ourselves, but him. Our humility is a reflection of us glorifying Jesus. So I'd like to encourage you tonight to live lives of humility. And individually, as we live lives of humility, then we start to accomplish the purpose of why the church exists. And I, I, I loved Doug's message that he spoke of earlier about worship. Because if we practice humility, there won't be worship wars in the church. There won't be divisions in the church over pews or chairs, brown carpet or gray, white walls or colored. There just won't. If we practice humility, all of our problems begin to fade away. And God can truly be glorified. This morning I have a few take-it-homes for us. The first one is memorize Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Has anyone started working on this yet? You can raise your hand. I'm not going to call on you. I see a couple hands. Good, good. This is important, right? We put God's word in our heart, in our mind, so that it influences our actions, right? Well, let's... let's uh, Let's say this one together. I actually have it up here. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One more time. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's win that prize. Let's press forward. I love this verse. Okay, so second one. Find someone this week that you can encourage You can compliment or you can serve as a way of building humility. Okay, so find someone that you can do these things uh, and then do them. I shouldn't have to put that one in there, right? But just a reminder that don't just find someone and go, yeah, I could be really nice to them this week. I can encourage them and then not do it, right? Because then we're not really fulfilling our purpose. Okay, so let's find someone we can practice humility and then do it. You know, there's someone in your life that needs encouragement. There just is. All of us need encouragement Every day. And even if you're not a words of affirmation person who just needs compliments to survive, all of us are going through something and all of us appreciate having someone who's praying for us. Okay, So let's do that this week. Here's another one. Take a moment to thank God for the things in your life that you're proud of or for which you're grateful. It's not bad to be proud of something. right? Pride can be a sin, but being proud of something that you've accomplished or that God's accomplished through you is not necessarily... A horrible thing, if we have an attitude of thankfulness that partners with it, right? That we acknowledge from where our gifts and our abilities and our talents and our success come from. So take a moment, think those things you're proud of or for which you're grateful, and recognize that God is the source of all good things in your life. You know, I said we were going to read another verse, and actually this one came to me. This is a last-minute edition. As Doug was sharing his message. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 31. Whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're someone that has to clean toilets for a living. Nothing wrong with that. Because you can do that for God's glory. Doesn't matter if, if you're injured and you can't work. Whatever you do, do it for God's glory. That's what it comes down to. And as a result, I can't wait to see what God's gonna do in this church. Because He promises that He'll take care of the, of the numbers, of the, the finances, the new souls that will be drawn to this place. That's, that's God's job. Our job is to glorify Him. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful to be a part of what you're doing here at Southside. I'm so grateful to be a part of what you're doing on this earth through your church and through the moving of your spirit based on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I just pray, Father, that as we move forward as a church and individually, that we will practice humility. And that we will realize how great and amazing you are and how powerful and awesome uh, you are. And that our worship will be focused on you, not our ourselves. That our service will be focused on you, not ourselves. Everything that we do, Father, may it glorify you. Whether that be the things that we think and the things that we do, the things that we say, may it all lead back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.